when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. Chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters were broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. Always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that you torment me not. For Jesus had said unto him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them out of the country. There was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. All the demons besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about two thousand, and they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was done. They came to Jesus, and they see the man that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion. He was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Our name, the unchanging word, reflects the fact that the eternal word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to We now come into Mark chapter 5. We will be reading and studying the first six verses. Dr. Mitchell brings out the fact that a dominant note in this gospel is Jesus casting out of demons. The gospel of Mark seems to demonstrate this authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to cast out demons. And you know what? He still has that authority to this day. By his resurrection, ascension, and exaltation to the right hand of God, Scripture says, angels, authorities, and powers have been subjected to him. He is exalted far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Jesus is Lord of all. Dr. Mitchell warns about an evil device still used today to invite demonic activity into one's life. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and we do well to take heed. Let's turn with Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast to Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Good day, friends. Again, it is our privilege and joy to come to you again, and it is our sincere desire that in some way the Spirit of God will make known to your heart as well as to your mind something of the fragrance, the sweetness, the tenderness, and the compassion of Christ as we study this gospel through Mark. May I remind you again that we have our Savior set before us as the servant of Jehovah, fulfilling Isaiah 42, 1, Behold my servant. And as you read these 16 chapters of Mark, you will notice how one experience uh, runs to the next one, just one right after the other. This is Mark. You've got a great deal of action in Mark. 
and we find our Saviour as the one who was still the friend of publicans and sinners, as the one who was always ready to meet each one's need. But they must, one must touch him. One must come to him. And again, I would like you to repeat something that ought to be repeated over and over again. There are too many believers who look upon the Lord Jesus Christ as their servant. They want the Lord to do everything for them. And they're disappointed that the Lord doesn't do what they ask for. Remember, he's not your servant. We are his servants. He is the one who is in authority. It's for us to bow our wills before him that his will may be accomplished in us. And we see this all the way through the gospel through Mark. Now we come to chapter 5. And in these first 20 verses of chapter 5, we have our Lord's ministry in Gadara, that's across the lake of Gennesaret. And it starts immediately with our Lord going over the sea uh, into the country of the Gadarenes. And I'm reading from the fifth chapter, the second verse, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. Chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters were broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. Always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that you torment, torment me not. For Jesus had said unto him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them out of the country. There was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. All the demons besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about two thousand, and they were, and they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was done. They came to Jesus. Ah, uh, listen to this. They came to Jesus, and they see the man that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion. He was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Ah, uh, friend, listen. You and I couldn't do a thing for a man like this. With respect to the gospel of the Savior, you know, sometimes these stories lend themselves to us in the presentation of the wonderful, wonderful grace of God. But first of all, let me suggest this, that one of the dominant notes of Mark is the casting out of demons or his authority over the powers of darkness. You remember, we have two of them in chapter 1. We had another one in chapter 3. And you remember in chapter 5, you have another one, fourth one. And it's in chapter 5 where they accuse Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. What I'm trying to get to your heart is this, that our Savior manifests his authority 
over the powers of darkness. And over and over again, Mark's gospel, in fact, I would say possibly that Mark relates more than the other three gospels of the power of our Lord over the casting out of demons. And he still has that power. You remember in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, he died. What For what purpose? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. So you have here this question of a man in a terrible condition. First of all, you notice the condition of the man. He lived in the tombs. He didn't live in a home. He lived among the tombs. I'm reminded, you know, that people who are out of Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 2, 1, are dead in trespasses and sins. Now, that doesn't mean that they have no spirit. What it means is that they are separated from God. They have no spiritual life. See, a person is made up of spirit, soul, and body. And according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 on, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, is a critical, a discerner of the intents of the heart. Now, death, we talk about somebody being dead. Now, what you mean is that the personality has left their body. Uh, these physical bodies in which we live. In other words, it's just a house in which we live. When I leave my body, you say, why, Mitchell's dead. No, he's not. He doesn't die. The body dies. The body goes back to dust. The personality goes on. For a Christian, he goes right into the very presence of the Lord. You know that. You have that in Philippians chapter one, do you remember verses 20, about 23, 24, where Paul says, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So the unsaved man, and what I'm going to give you, that the condition of this man, this Gadarene demoniac, his condition before he met the Savior, is comparable to the condition of any man or woman who has not received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Remember, if you have not had any relationship to the Savior, you're looked upon in the Scripture as being dead in trespasses and sins. Now, the second thing about this man, he was chained. He was bound. And you remember the people came and took him, and they bound him with chains and fetters. He just break them like chaff. I might say that this, this speaks of lawlessness. They couldn't bind him. And you know, all of us were bound by the chains of sin before the Savior took us in and saved us. Here man tries to control him, couldn't control him. <laughs> the only way man has of keeping down sin is by making laws. And by the way, the more laws you make, the more lawless people are. This is true. This is history. I needn't, I needn't press that. Here, for example, there was a time when people were given over to drinking, so they made the law of prohibition. And what did people do? Did that keep them from drinking? Oh, no. Now, before the law was given, the law of prohibition, a man could drink, he wasn't a lawbreaker. But it was getting out of hand, so you made a law to keep down the drinking. Now it becomes 
a sin. You become a trespasser. You become lawless. That's why the law was given. The law wasn't given to give you life. The law was telling you how to live before God, and you couldn't do it. And the law gave you no power to do it. It's a strange thing about man. He doesn't believe it. I've had people say, why, Mitchell, you Christians, you're, you're just so narrow, you're so bound up. <laughs> Listen, friend, we're not slaves. Here's a man who has some sin in his life. It's become his boss. I've asked men, why don't you give certain things up? I can't. I've done this for years. I've tried everything. I've even gone to doctors, they said, and I can't get free from it. Then you're the slave, not us. And man is a slave to sin, whether he likes it or whether he doesn't like it, whether he knows it or whether he doesn't know it. A man out of Christ is bound and chained by sin. It may not always appear on the service. And you say, well, Mr. Mitchell, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't belong to Christ, but I live a good life. I don't do this and I don't do that. I don't do the other thing. Well, what is your God? Who is your God? Yourself? Your money? Your business? Or something else? That was the trouble with the rich young ruler, which we'll find when we come to chapter 10. Uh, he was a model young man, but he was an idolater. His possessions were the object of his affection and devotion. He wouldn't give them up to follow the Savior. See? All right, the third thing about this man was he was demon-possessed. Maybe I should have said that first. He was under the powers of darkness. And let me say very, very frankly, demons were never for people's good, always for evil. Now, allow me to say a word to those of you who are listening to me today. Please don't play with your Ouija board or anything that has to do with necromancy. You're just playing with hell. You're playing with that which is evil. And demons never want to do anything good for people. Always evil. Take this man. He's away from home, from his family, from his business. He's in the tombs, living among dead people, naked, chained, controlled by the powers of darkness. He was self-afflicted. He cut himself with knives. This wasn't a pleasant life by any means. May I remind you of 2 Corinthians 4, 4, where it says, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. See, the fourth thing about this man was he was naked. He had no clothes. You see, well, he certainly was out of it. He was out of his head. No, he was controlled by demons. And I said a moment ago, demons are not for our good, they're for our evil. He was not only chained and fetters and broke them, but he was naked. And by the way, this is another picture of man out of Christ. You ever think of it? He was naked. Romans chapter 3, 10 to 12 says, As it is written, there is none 
righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They've all gone out of the way. They have together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And possibly some of you folk listening to me today will resent that statement, but I'm just quoting you the Word of God. This is how God sees men. I look at men, good men, wonderful men, moral men, ideal men of the world. And God looks at them, and they're dead in trespasses and sins. God looks at them, and they're bound by the fetters of sin. God looks at them, and they're under the powers of darkness, whether they know it or not. And all their good works stand before God as filthy rags. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 tells us that, that our righteousnesses are in God's sight as filthy rags. Did you notice verse 15? When they found the man, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. How? Clothed in his right mind. Clothed. You know, it's a wonderful thing that the Lord clothes us with the garments of righteousness, as we shall see. Now, here you have these four things I've mentioned concerning this man. He lived in the tombs, he lived among the dead. And again, I don't mind repeating it. The condition of every man or woman who is out of Christ, you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have not put your trust in him as the one who put away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. And I'm taking this here story of the Gadarene demoniac as a picture of every unsaved person. They live among the dead, no spiritual life. They're chained and bound by habits of some sort or another with sin. Under the powers of darkness, for the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those who believe not. And this man was naked, a real picture of an unsaved man, naked before God, naked in the presence of God. Well, Mr. Mitchell, I've got so many good works, I don't mind offering them to God. He says they're just filthy rags. You know, we sing sometime and how true Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It's enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Man tried to hold this man in. They chained him. They fettered him. He just break them asunder. Man couldn't do a thing for this fellow. And then one day, he met the Savior. Let me read it in verse, in verse 6. And when this man saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that you torment me not. For Jesus had said unto him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. He met Jesus. What a transformation. What a transformation. You know, it's an amazing thing. 
and I'm going to run ahead of myself for a moment because my time is about up. But I can't stop here without reading this 15th verse. And they came to Jesus and they found the man out of whom who had been possessed by the devil with a legion of demons in him. We find him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Ah, friend, listen. You and I couldn't do a thing for a man like this. Sometimes we hold our hands up in horror when we see some of these dear men who've drank the dregs of sin, see them tottering down the street, their faces manifesting disease and sinfulness and corruption, and we pull off in horror sometime. Oh, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't go with such people. Uh, what they need is a Savior, and you say, correct. My friend, you need the Savior just as much as he does. I'm reminded of a fact, if I may be allowed to do this, in John's Gospel, chapters 3 and 4. In John chapter 3, a religious leader, a leader of the Jews, came to Jesus by night, and he said to Jesus, I know you're a, a, you've come from God. No man can do the miracles you do except God be with him. And what did Jesus say to him? Nicodemus, you're born wrong. You're born wrong. If you told that man, Nicodemus, he was born wrong, I don't know what his reaction would be. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he can't see the kingdom of God. He was born wrong. What he needed was a revelation of himself. When you come to chapter 4, here's a woman across the tracks. She's already had five husbands. The one she has now whom she's living with is not her husband. What she needs is not to be told that she's born wrong. She knows that. What she needs is a revelation of God. And that's exactly what Jesus gave her. The Lord gives you just what you need. To Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're born wrong. You've got to be born again. To the woman of Samaria, who was already in saying what she needed was a Savior. What she needed was a revelation of God. Nicodemus didn't know just how bad he was in the sight of God. The poor woman of Samaria didn't know that God was full of grace and truth, that God was seeking worshipers. doesn't say he was seeking good people or religious people. He was seeking worshipers. Ah, friend, when I think of this story, I can't help but think of the wonderful, wonderful grace of God. Do you ever think of it? Think of a man like this in all dead insane, chained and bound with fetters, demon-possessed, naked, wasn't even wanted by his neighbors, wasn't wanted by his countrymen, wasn't wanted by his family. Then he met Jesus. Then he met Jesus. Maybe I'm talking to some today. And you're pretty good people. You're pretty good people. But you need Jesus. Only he is the one who can set you free from the bondage of sin. He's the only one who can set you free from the powers of darkness. He's the only one who can change you from a child of wrath into a child of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if you just bow before the Lord and take your place as a sinner, whether you're a bad sinner or a cultivated sinner or a religious sinner, makes no difference. You need the Savior. How glad I am that he has said, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. 
Now, why don't you come? The Lord is waiting for you. He wants to save you, forgive you, cleanse you, and make you a child of the living God. And he'll do it the moment. You mean business and take Jesus Christ as your Savior to come into right relationship with him. You can be a religious person, my friend, and not have salvation. Salvation can only come from relationship with the Savior. And remember his great words again, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And do it today for his precious name's sake. Help me, Lord, when toil and from a father's hand one by one the days the moments fleeting till I reach the promised land till I reach the promised land till I Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. So until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at 10.